This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 63. Chemo, chemo, spare a spare, my high, my who, my rump stick, a pump, a nickel suit, bang, nip, cat, poly, a cameo, I love you. And other cool things that you can talk about and do with your kids is what we'll be talking about today. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the show. Really glad that you're here. And I'm actually really excited to talk about this topic because this is something that both my wife and I really like to spend a lot of time focusing our efforts on with regards to trying to find time for family time. And that's something that I know is important for a lot of people, but also does have a tendency to be a lot, a lot harder to accomplish than one might imagine. So this episode today, we're going to be focusing on family and focusing on some ways that we've come across that seem to work for us uh, to try and develop a little bit more dedicated family time. And that might that might be something if you've got your if you're married or if you have kids, this this is obviously very much applicable. But if you don't, these are principles that you can easily apply to your girlfriend or boyfriend. This is something that you can apply towards spending more time with your parents. If you're listening to this and you are not part, it's like you don't have an active immediate family or you don't have a wife or kids or husband or wife or kids or significant other, other of some form, the spending time with your family and spending time with your parents is something just I want to give a caveat is something that I highly recommend you wrapping your head around a little bit because I heard a statistic one time that by the time a child graduates high school and goes off to college, they will have already spent greater than 85% of the total number of days in their lives that they will spend with their parents. Now, this is a statistic that I've mentioned before, and that's something that was incredibly impactful to me when I first heard it because it just made me reflect a little bit about the amount of time that I spent with my parents after I had gotten out of the house and gone to school or gone into the workforce or whatnot. And I couldn't help but feel a little bit of regret about that when I was a kid or more later on about the time when I was a kid that I didn't have a little bit more time with them. And I'm sure that's something, yeah, sure. It's, it's a cliche. Everybody wishes they would have spent more time with them, but the, a lot of people will say that after the fact will mull about that prior to, but then God forbid something happens to your parents and then it's too late. So this is a topic that the mo the lion's share of this conversation that I'm going to be having with you is going to be about 
you finding more time to spend with your family and with your kids, but it's something that I highly recommend that you apply to other areas of your life as well and other people that are important to you. Because whether you're spending time sort of, to use a military analogy, up the chain of command, meaning your parents or grandparents, or down the chain of command, meaning your kids or grandkids, this is something that I think we all need a little bit of practice on. And you need to dedicate some time to thinking about ways to actively do that because your parents aren't going to be around forever, God forbid. But unfortunately, we know that it's true in some cases. Maybe your kids might not necessarily be around for the duration of your life as a parent. That's a horrifying thought, especially for me saying it now, having a delightfully wonderful and luckily healthy three-year-old and one-year-old, but I am indeed lucky in that category, and I'm sure a lot of you that are listening are as well, but we all know those people that, you know, their kid came down with some massive injury or illness or disease at ended up passing prior to their parents. And that's an absolutely terrifying thought. And I hate to dig into the grim there, but that's something that's definitely on my mind and is on the mind of a lot of people deep down. But again, we just sort of get back to our normal lives and never really think about it. I encourage you to keep that in mind and think about it. And that's sort of how we're able to frame the time that we like to spend with our kids. It was, we always want to make sure that We've used every bit of time that we were able to use to spend time with them. So with that, like just to kind of go over a couple of the things that we've done in our life to make sure that we spend as much time with them as we can, you know, think about we've thought about creating sort of a family night. And that's something that is very that sounds relatively simple, but it does take some planning and involvement from everybody because If I want to say with me, Jason, being the husband, the man of the house, whatever you want to call it, if I say, okay, Saturday, we're doing family night and we're doing movies, my wife couldn't give half a crap about watching movies and my three-year-old does not have the attention span to sit through a movie if it's not Peter Rabbit, which she went to see in the theaters for the first time a few months ago uh, with her grandfather and had an absolutely delightful time. But generally speaking, if we're going to sit down and watch a movie together, my wife will be, you know, mentally elsewhere. And odds are my two attention span free children will likely be elsewhere as well. So this is something that actually for it to work involves everybody sort of chipping in with regards to what they would like to do during this time. And whether that's something that we do where we sort of will rotate what we do to accommodate what everybody wants to do, or if we just sort of try and incorporate several different things into an evening that each of the person, each of the people involved want to do. I mean, that's something that I think is incredibly important, very similar to the idea of a quote unquote date night that a lot of people talk about to spend time with their spouse. That's not something that my wife and I particularly subscribe to only because we spend an enormous amount of time together already, and we legitimately enjoy each other's company when we're home and when we're in the presence of our kids. Uh, that's not to say that others that 
take part in the date night concept don't, or that maybe someday we'll eventually get to the mental place where we want to have the, the date night thing away from kids. But at the moment, we don't feel the need. But this strategy is somewhat similar because you're dedicating a specific day or specific time to specific members of the family and trying not to break that commitment. That's obviously very similar to the concept of setting up a date night with your spouse. But for the family time, for setting up family night, it's a, it's something where we need to incorporate sort of what everybody wants to do. And that's something that's been really helpful for us. Something else that we've been doing that was really interesting to us and an incredible learning experience for us is, as I mentioned earlier, our kids are three and one. And I, as the father of the family, married to an amazing woman who has been around both teaching and babysitting and educating kids the lion's share of her life, I have learned an enormous amount about parenting from my wife. And one thing that I really noticed early on that she was doing with our first and has uh, subsequently continued to do with Ada, who's our second child, is just to sort of let the children choose their own activities and interests. Me going into having a kid for the first time and never really spending much time with children outside of now my own was I sort of underestimated their ability to figure their own stuff out. And I'm sure I'm not alone there. Like we look, we look at these sort of little balls of flesh and assume, okay, these things are a blank slate. They are nothing outside of what we start to plug into them. So let's start, you know, plugging into them the things that we would like to see. And shocking, you know, when I had my run of the house with the kids, when my wife wasn't around, the kids were bored, the kids were screaming, and they weren't really wanting to do anything outside of sit around and cry. Um, that was something that I obviously wanted to put a end to sooner than later. So I started to sort of observe how my wife handled it and she handled these one, two, three-year-old children very much like we do with adults, which is to, you know, get the hell out of the way and shut up. And it's amazing when you give these children free range of certain toys or certain activities you know, give them some options, but then just sort of stand back and get out of the way that they will sort of gravitate to the things that they seem to find the most interesting. And when you give them the freedom to do that, they will stick with those activities for far, far longer than they would otherwise based on stuff that, say, I would want them to do. Or if we were going to a dedicated event or birthday party or whatever it is with your kids where the activity is set by other people, generally speaking, the adults in the room, the kids tend to wander off mentally or or like physically in some cases, but almost always mentally just so because that's not necessarily what they want to be doing at that time. And sure, you can try and stand there and be all high and high and mighty about, well, these kids need to learn discipline. They need to learn that, well, this is what we're doing at this time, but that's not how play works. It doesn't work. That's not how play works for adults. And it's definitely not how play works with kids. And you have to remember that, Kids take in the most information possible when they're young in the times that they are playing and joking around and having fun. 
think about when you're in school, when you're not having fun in the classes that you're taking, you're not really going to learn anything just because it doesn't stick. Same thing with these kids. So what I would say is the most successful strategy that we've had is to guide kids with a certain level of filtering with regards to the activities that we have laying around or the options that we provide for them, but absolutely let the kids choose what they want to be doing at any given time. And it's really amazing how much commitment they show towards an activity when they're involved with it. And that really sort of leads into the next thing that has really been a lot of fun for me, not so much with our youngest, who's only all of one year old right now, but with our toddler, Zoe, who just turned three, she has been showing a lot of interest in doing stuff in the kitchen with me and my wife. And that's just because we do a lot of cooking at the house. It's the thing that mommy and daddy do. So she shows interest in it. But I've noticed that her acceptance of some more exotic foods or drinks or whatever it might be that we're preparing in the kitchen, she's a hell of a lot more interested in eating, drinking, just generally trying these things than she was before, because now she's actually taking part in preparation. Now, I'm, we're not, you know, we're not going nuts here. We're not handing the three-year-old an eight and a half inch chef's knife and say, you know, dice, dice these onions. You know, there's, there's obviously a limit to what she's able to accomplish, but she doesn't know that. And she doesn't know that the things that she's doing to contribute aren't the most important things that there are to do. So she's finding it very rewarding and she's really enjoying the things that she's doing. And she's even pointing out when we sit down to eat something that we prepared together, even if she was only involved in, you know, stirring the pancake batter, you know, while we're making pancakes in the morning or whatever it might be, she's pointing out that, Hey, she did this when she's eating it. And she's telling me, she's telling mommy, she's telling her sister who doesn't have an earthly idea what the hell she's talking about, but you know, she's, she's excited about it. And that's something that's now becoming an activity, a game. It's something that she's having a lot of fun with. And that's time that I get to spend that my wife gets to spend with my toddler, which is something that we wouldn't be doing otherwise, where the kid would otherwise be okay. Well, I got to go cook breakfast now. So she Sure, it's okay for you to sit down and watch a TV show while I cook breakfast. If you get the kid involved in the prop in the preparation, maybe the preparation takes a little bit of extra time. But so rather than your kid sitting there watching a TV show and then you have to have a 15-minute conversation with them about why we have to turn off the TV show now because now it's time to eat or that and then or cutting that shorter than that and then dealing with the with the crazed with the crazed child that didn't want to stop watching their TV show even to eat at that point you know combine all that time though the food preparation might take a little bit longer with a toddler helper in the room it's still a hell of a lot less time overall than it would be for you to fix food really quickly and then try to yank your child out of TV land out of TV brain land afterwards in order just to sit down and eat and oh, by the way, you actually get to spend that quality time with your kids, teaching them something. So that's something that's really been helpful for me as well, and also for my wife. Now, 
the last thing that I want to touch on is this one is a big deal today and a far bigger deal today really than it ever has been sort of getting back to the end of the last one where I was mentioning how a lot of parents and even us in some cases, we are not at all, you know, innocent of this where they want, when they want to do something else that doesn't necessarily involve their kids, they sort of plop their kids down in front of the television or whatever that particular activity might be. Something that I think is really important to keep in mind with your kids is that we don't want to overcommit. You know, this can fall into the category of those lovely helicopter parents that we all have known and love or might admittedly in a quiet, dark corner of the room admit that we actually are one of these things. Um, that would not be me, by the way. But anyway, we have an epidemic today of overscheduling our kids, whether it be for activities at school or activities at the Y or play dates, one of the terms that's commonly used today that just absolutely makes me cringe. We, we have a tendency to try to think that our kids are these massive balls of energy and we need to help structure them or keep their attention on specific things. Otherwise, they're just going to go nuts. There's been so much research that's been coming out right recently about the fact that us as parents doing that, being the ones that are trying to schedule and schedule and structure and, you know, whatever it might be with our kids, these are the things that are making our kids scatterbrains in the first place. We need to give our kids room to just sort of be kids and figure out what they want to do on their own, kind of getting back to the point I mentioned earlier about letting your kids choose their own activities. There's a lot of stuff that's been coming out about how ADD and ADHD or whatever it is that you want to call it is really just sort of a result of parents making their kids do things that they don't want to do or do lots and lots and lots of things or providing them with lots and lots and lots of options far more than they can necessarily handle. And their little brains don't necessarily know how to handle it, so they just sort of go into, you know, brain explosion mode, which is basically what ADHD and ADD are. So I'd like to point out how, like, the way the way that we've handled this, I've sort of explained earlier, but the way that I would recommend you sort of handling it is just sort of look at your calendar. If you actually keep a social or family calendar, you know, take a look at that calendar and figure out how many hours of the day you're actually forcing, forcing might sound bad, but that is what it is, is forcing your kids to do things that they otherwise might just be sort of playing on their own or playing with a friend. Like, what are those things? And are you overscheduling your kids? If they all, if you are, why don't you try and take a break from it for a week or a couple of weeks and see what happens? Stay home, play games at home, do stuff at home. And then just sort of see what your kid naturally gravitates to doing. And if that is going back to the play dates, great. If that's constantly going to swim lessons and then dance lessons and ballet and, you know, back and forth and back and forth from the Y or from school or whatever the organization is that you're doing stuff at. 
if your kid chooses to do some of those things, that's great. But when it comes to actually forcing them to do it, this is sort of what's making our kids scatterbrain. If you provide your kids 5,000 toys that are all laying around outside in the, out in the living room at the same time, and the kid goes in the room and is constantly jumping back and forth between 5,000 different things, and you wonder, oh my God, why is my kid not being able to pay attention? He's like, he's constantly doing all this stuff. It's because you give him all these options. L- limit, the, limit the children's options, but let them pick what they want to do. It's amazing the results that we've seen. We've got a three-year-old who, by the time she was almost 19 months old, almost 20 months old, would stand in the corner quietly by herself, drawing a picture for 45 minutes. This was not an uncommon thing for her to do multiple times a day. It was flooring to other parents that we knew that came to our house and just sort of observed this going on. She was like, oh my God, how does your kid do that? It's because we don't bother her when she's doing it. And we don't have 50 toys lying around while she's doing it. When she's playing with her blocks, and when she when she's playing with her blocks, she's playing with her blocks. When she wants to get up and draw a picture, we put away the blocks. And we have her help us put away the blocks. And now she's not tempted by her blocks when she's drawing her picture. And she just goes on drawing her picture. It's something that can very much be applied towards us as adults as well. Like keep the distract when we keep the distractions away, it's amazing how much more focused you can become. Kids are no different. So I'd like to sort of close out with that in that we need to sort of keep things a little bit simpler for all of us. And that's not necessarily the worst strategy in the world for your own personal time, let alone the time that you spend with your kids, let alone the time that you choose to spend if you're a little bit older, the time that you choose to spend with your parents or your significant others. The bottom line is keep things simple. Use the time that you have for just time together and activities will naturally gravitate. Don't spend too much time scheduling or planning or thinking up exact things to do, because if you're spending all that time doing that, you're not spending time listening to the people that you're with about what they would also want to do as well. And that could end up making things not so much fun for the other people in the room. Might th- make things amazing for you, but for the people that are around, maybe not so much. And that in- that includes kids that we seem to think need a lot more guidance than they really actually do, especially when it comes to play. So just take a little bit of time, especially this weekend, if you're listening to this during the weekend that I'm releasing this. Take some time. Spend some time with your family without any structured activities and just observe what naturally happens. I'm actually kind of curious to see what does happen. So if you do want to give this a shot, whether it be this weekend or sometime in the next few weeks, please go ahead and go over to the community Facebook page and just let me know how this little exercise went for you. You can find that at smallmoves.co forward slash community. That'll take you to the community Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. I was really glad to spend some of your weekend with you. And if you have any questions or guest suggestions for my Tuesday interview episodes, go ahead and leave a comment on there as well, or shoot an email to me or a comment on the website that you can find at smallmoves.co. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show. And I'll talk to you next time around. You've got this. 